This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're continuing our conversation about World AIDS Day. It's the 35th anniversary of this day. And this year's theme is to remember the lives that we've lost to AIDS, but also to commit to a better future where HIV is no longer a public health threat. Now, a lot has changed since the first reported cases of HIV back in 1981. New treatments have been developed, and there's now PrEP, a medicine to significantly reduce your chances of getting HIV. But stigma and misinformation around HIV and AIDS still persist. So we're here to talk with a pair of people about their experiences living with HIV and also hear what solutions they feel are needed to help cut through some of that stigma. Here with us now in studio is Jer Washington. They are an HIV prevention specialist at Life is Work. That's a social services agency on the west side geared toward transgender people. Hey, Jer. Welcome. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for being here with us. Also here in studio is Rick Guasco, the editor-in-chief of Positively Aware. That's a magazine centered around HIV health news. Welcome, Rick. Good morning. So... I want you to walk me through your experiences finding out about your status. Let's start with you, Rick. What, what was that like? Unsettling, because um, what happened was I didn't even know that I had HIV until I developed Kaposi's sarcoma, which is a form of skin cancer that um, at the time, this was 1990, excuse me, 1992, um, was considered an end-stage AIDS-defining illness. If you if you saw the movie Tom uh, with Tom Hanks called Philadelphia, mm-hmm. that's what he had. He had KS Kaposi sarcoma, and that's what I had. And I was so afraid and in 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 denial so much that I didn't get tested until about six months after I'd seen the first spot. Mm. And so about a week before Christmas of 1992. I found out that not only did I have HIV, but these spots were indeed KS and that I had AIDS. Where did that fear come from? You said you were so afraid to even get it checked out. Oh, well, because at the time, you know, HIV was a death sentence. A lot of people, this was in the 80s and into into the early 90s, um, people would find out that they had HIV and then died weeks if uh, or months later. Back then, HIV really was a death sentence. Yeah. And I also understand that you don't want to only talk about the past, right? You've been continuing to do work around HIV and AIDS. You want to talk about that? Right, certainly. You know, when when we say AIDS, you know, people will think about, uh, you know, the plague years, as some of us call it, the 1980s, the early 1990s, before there were effective HIV treatments. But thanks to those treatments, HIV is not a death sentence. We say that HIV is a life sentence. Today, if you are on treatment, you're adherent, um, you very likely can become undetectable. What that means is that there isn't enough virus in your blood to be detected by a regular HIV test. Moreover, you can't pass it on sexually to your partner or parents who um, are ch- uh, breastfeeding or chest feeding cannot pass it on to their infant. Mm. So, um, you know, the first HIV medications uh, that came out starting in, the, in 1995, 96, that marked the first time when the number of people who died of AIDS actually went down. The thing is that it, it's still persistent. Right, yeah. Well, let's bring Jerry into the conversation. Jerry, I understand that you 
you got into HIV prevention work about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. What was it that inspired you? Um, one of my closest friends, um, you know, um, told me that they had got pulled for housing, and um, I was like, okay, cool, that's what's up. You know, I'm happy for you. And then, you know, they disclosed to me that, um, you know, that their test results came back reactive, and I was like, oh. So, you know. Their test results came back reactive. Yes. And what does that mean? Um, that means that the person was HIV positive. Um, and, you know, like, this was a person that was, like, so close to me, you know, it hit home. And, you know, it really just, like, kind of woke me up because, you know, like, this is real. This is here. And, you know, like, you know, someone has to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by me having such a powerful voice and, you know, being able to advocate not only for myself but also others, um, you know, that just kind of shed the light, like, you know, that especially in my community, um, you know, we need to see more people that look like us advocating for us so, you know, um, people like me can stay into care and, you know, can, and can see um you know, what being HIV positive undetectable looks like. And, you know, um, you know, you can be healthy. You can live a normal, healthy lifestyle. So tell us then about what it was like finding out about your own status. Um, when I found out I was um, HIV positive, um, it was February 7th of 2001. Um, I just cried that first day, honestly. Um, prior to the year before that, um, I kind of went through a very traumatic experience. Um, my mom passed away seven days before my birthday. Seven days after my birthday, I was brutally attacked on the southeast side of Chicago. Um, wow. I was stabbed real bad. And then, you know, seven days after that, I lost my job. So, Gosh, you know, I'm so sorry, Jer. When I found out about my status, you know, it really wasn't nothing to me. Like, I've, I've lost so much you know, this was something that came into my life that I know that wasn't going anywhere. But still there were tears yeah. on day one. Yeah. Um, what I, was going through your mind? Um, like, wow. Like, I, I, I wasn't in disbelief. Um, you know, honestly, I went in there prepared knowing that I was HIV positive for the fact that because um, I used to be a sex worker. Um, what, I, what I call it, um, customer service representative. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I know I was doing risky behavior and things like that, but, you know, I had to had, had to have a sustainable living, you know. Um, I'm doing work and, you know, um, you know, working in this um, field, you know, you, you can't get rich off of it. So, you know, I, ha- I have to sustain a sustainable living, you know, pay rent. I, fa- I have animals and other things that I have to take care of. So, um, you know, doing sex work was... Um, a much faster way to get um, income. Um, so when I did um, find out I was positive, I really wasn't scared, honestly, because I've seen that, you know, technology and, you know, medicine has changed so much over the years since, you know, the AIDS epidemic has started. And, you know, um, as long as you take your medication, you know, you can stay undetectable, you can live a longer, healthier life. Honestly, um, with Honestly, with the person who isn't HIV positive, you know, you're living longer than, you know, those people because you're going to regularly checkups. You're going to get blood work done. You're going to see, you know, what's going on. So, honestly, yeah. it really didn't scare me at all. So, Rick, I mean, you're, you're sitting here. You're you're listening to uh, Jer's experience. I mean, is anything resonating with you? Oh, certainly. There's always this fear. I mean, even somebody today, if they go in to get tested— uh, there, there's the nervousness that 
of, of finding out. And but the thing is that it's not the end of the world if you get tested if you get tested and test positive, because the medications that are out there are so effective that you have a good chance of living a normal lifespan. Mm-hmm. And in fact, actually, people living with HIV don't necessarily die from HIV. Mm-hmm. What they're dying from are all the things that everybody else is dying from. Cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes. That's a good point, a good distinction to, to make. I don't think everyone knows that. No, and in fact, actually, so effective are these medications that people are now aging with HIV. Here in the U.S., more than half the people living with HIV in the U.S. are over age 50. And by the year 2030, that's going to be 70%. How do you feel thinking about your own life? Do you feel as though you're going to have that longevity that we all aspire for, right? We well, all want to age. and. Well, I have to admit, you know, having... I was 28 when I had developed KS and discovered... I was living with HIV and didn't think that I would live to see 30. I'm 59 now. Um, I don't think about longevity. Um, I just try to live life. Live a full life. Live a full life. I'm one of the people that is part of that 50, 50% and growing people who are over age 50. And um, I, I just want to assure people to know that they can have a long, active, and good life. Yeah. What about you, Jer? I mean, do you think about that? Do you think about living a long life? Um, How have your feelings sort of changed, evolved over time? Honestly, I don't think about living a long life. Um, I just live in the moment, honestly. You know, I just live it day by day. You know, I just live like it's my last day, honestly, because, like, in this day and age, like, I've seen so many of my friends, like, just drop like flies. So it's like, I don't think about the future. I just I just live in the moment, honestly. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and it's World AIDS Day, a time that we honor the lives of folks impacted by HIV and AIDS and push toward access to prevention and healthcare resources. And so in studio, we're talking with Jer Washington, who's an HIV prevention specialist at Life is Work, a social services agency on the West Side geared toward transgender people and Rick Guasco, who's editor-in-chief of Positively Aware. Uh, Do you feel like conversations have evolved around HIV over time? Yes, I do. You think it's changed for the better? I think it's changed for the better, but there's still room for more change. What have you seen? Um, Honestly, um, when you have people, well, I'm going to say community health workers in the community that looks like us, and you know that you see people who are in care and who are healthy, you know, that shows that, you know, we're doing something right. Um, and I noticed, um, especially working with my population, that um, um, if you're in a if you're in a position, you know, to help a person get in care and um, help a person become self sufficient, and you look like them, you know, that'll have that'll give them comfortable comfortable enough to come back and receive care because you have that trust with them. I see, right? Because otherwise, right, if we have situations where you don't look like them, right? Mm-hmm. So, a, a opposite of what you've just described, there are challenges mm-hmm. that people are facing 
just trying to access the care. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes, most definitely. Um, Especially like, you know, trying to get medical insurance, you know, and then, you know, having providers that look like you who can be personable and actually be relatable, you know, to you. Um, And, you know, just being welcoming. You know, um, you go into a lot of clinics and, you know, providers just prescribe you things that you need. But, like, you know, these providers need to start listening, honestly, and not just assuming what a person needs. Hmm. You have to meet the person where they're at, honestly. Rick, we've been talking through stigma. What do you feel is needed to cut through those stigmas and and stereotypes? Oh, if only I had the answer to that. (laughs) Um, It's changing people's minds. It's correcting the misinformation. It's um, directing people to reliable sources of information. And, but the, the, the real challenge is overcoming people's misperceptions. I can't tell you how many times. When let's, I, let's run through some of them. Okay. Some of those misconceptions that, that people still have when it comes to HIV and AIDS. What, what do you hear? Uh, only those kind of people get HIV. Or, well, I heard Magic Johnson got cured. Okay, he did not get cured. There is no cure for HIV. So there yeah, are some hear that very effective treatments, and he's probably taking the same medication that Jer and I are. So, Jerry, you're nodding. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, yeah. all, this all rings, rings a bell and sounds too familiar. Yeah. You, you often say, though, that um, anyone is HIV possible? Yes. Well, I've, well, actually, um, PhD Dr. Tatiana Moulton has said that, and I just took, um, resp- repeated the quote after her. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you really, want to drive home when you say something like that um, to people listening? That anyone is HIV possible. Like, it's literally the message. Anyone is HIV possible. And um, the H stands for human. Any human is HIV possible. Man, woman, trans, woman, trans, man, gender nonconforming, non-binary, like anyone can contract HIV. It's not just a gay disease as people think that it is. Yeah. We talked about age a moment ago, Rick. Um, more than half of people living with AIDS are over 50. Well, uh, with HIV. There's with a, HIV? Yeah. Uh, they're over 50, right? This is um, data from the CDC. Yes. What kind of care and resources do people over 50 need? They need geriatric services just like anybody else over age 50. Again, if, they're take, if, they're, if they have access to medicine, and I realize that that is a major factor, that's a major issue. But if they have access to medications, they're adherent, very likely their HIV is under control. So now we have to address all these myriad issues that anybody in that age group is going to encounter. Everything from being on a fixed income, insurance, Medicaid, Medicare, transportation, assisted housing. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday about how um, people aging with HIV, some of them as they advance in in aging might have to move into senior citizen housing, Mm -hmm. uh, assisted care facilities, and Sometimes that forces them to go back into the closet. They have to hide their HIV status. <clears throat> they might have to hide the fact that they are LGBTQ because of the fear that they will be not only stigmatized, but that that knowledge will affect the quality of their care and treatment. Add to that, Jer, I mean, mental health care. Mm-hmm. That's another need that you both actually you know, highlight for mm-hmm. folks who are living with HIV. 
Um, yes, most definitely. Um, especially since the pandemic has started, you know, um, shutting the city down, children not being able to go to school, or, you know, adults not being able to go to work and, you know, work a regular daily life. You know, mental health does play a big impact in um, having care for um, HIV. Um you know, being diagnosed with HIV is a very big thing. Um, and you have to, you know, I don't say you have to, but, you know, you have, you know, to have the the mental capacity, you know, to deal with it, you know, you know, see a therapist, you know. And I honestly, when I was diagnosed, I didn't see a therapist until probably like a year later. Um, and that's because I literally wanted to deal with it mentally. Um, I was also dealing with other mental things, and I wanted to deal with it in my way where I can, you know, self-heal versus me going to talk to someone before um, I try to, like, deal with these things because everything is, like, it's an internal thing, honestly. It's a mental thing. And, um, you know, just seeing a mental health provider, you know, can change all that, honestly. Hmm. Well, leave us with this, Rick. I mean, you have been able to build community with other people living with HIV. What's that meant for you? Funny that you should say that because um, a columnist for the magazine <clears throat> wrote a piece exactly about that. And she said, her name is Bridget Pico, and I really want to acknowledge her. She said that <clears throat> the one thing that she is grateful for about living with HIV is actually all the people that she has come to know, all the diverse and varied people that have befriended her and <clears throat> from all walks of life. And she wouldn't trade that for anything, mm -hmm. and neither would I. We'll leave it there. That is Rick Guasco, the editor-in-chief of Positively Aware, and Jer Washington, an HIV prevention specialist at Life is Work. On this World AIDS Day, we've been talking about the need to end stigma around HIV. Thank you both so much for Thank taking you. the time. Thank you.